I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yo, what's going on? And welcome to this week's thesis here on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. And we say hello now to our friends who are watching on Facebook Live. Share this. We'd appreciate it. We're trying to build up this stream thing. And it's a bit of a challenge. But I think it's starting to catch on. We're getting thousands of views for all these that we're streaming, which is great trying to make our content more readily available for all the presenting sponsors sponsor of the thesis same company two great locations Ames Eye Care Des Moines Eye Care AmesEyeCare.com Des Moines EyeCare.com check them out tell them that Cyclone Fanatic sent you Eye Care for the whole family he was so great on last week's podcast that I decided to invite him back Rob Gray welcome to the thesis so that's the reason. I'm, I'm glad to hear it. I mean, you knocked it out of the park. Oh, you set the T. You set the T at the perfect height, man. Um, interesting game this week for Iowa State at West Virginia. We'll dig into that here momentarily. I, wa- I do want to take a moment to promote, pr- promote? promote. promote. Yes. next week's basketball tip-off party. It will be Thursday night, 7 o'clock at the district venue. Uh, It's right connected to Whiskey River. We'll have our radio show from 6 to 7. Then we'll flop on over there. Uh, Complete preview of the 2019-20 Iowa State basketball squad. The special guest will be in attendance. You can take pictures, ask them questions. It'll be a great event. It always is. That's coming up next Thursday. It'll be kid-friendly. We used to do these in, like, bars and stuff. We've decided to open it up. We want the kids to have the opportunity. So that. And then also our game watch coming up on Saturday with our friends from Wide Right and Natty Light. That will be at Whiskey River. And Whiskey River, Rob, is giving free apple pie shots to anyone who wants them after a Cyclone touchdown. I think they're going to be giving out quite a few. Yeah, so the last time that they did this, was the Texas game last year, and the clones didn't score until later in that football game. It was like the last like five minutes. I think this is going to be a different tune. Like the the Uber is going to have a very busy night on Saturday. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, I would not be surprised at all. Um, yeah, West Virginia's defense is not exactly proven to be stingy thus far not this yet. season. Yeah, not yet. We'll see. Um, let's just dig into it. I, I want to talk about, and we are going to have a guest coming up for those of you watching live. And um, if you're listening on the podcast network, coming up here in about 20 minutes or so. Uh, his name is Brad Howe. I've known Brad for a long time. He's covered West Virginia for a really long time. Very familiar with that program. As familiar with that program probably as anybody. 
Uh, and he's he's got some family in Des Moines. That's how I met him. He is going to join us to give us the inside scoop on the Mountaineers. Let's start with Iowa State, though, Rob. And you know, um, well, I want to start with the defense because just how I think the defense might approach this game on Saturday. It seems fairly similar to me, in the sense of you've got a athletic quarterback. Um, Austin Kendall for West Virginia reminds me a little bit of Duggan in the sense that he's turnover prone. He hasn't seen a lot of these looks. I do think he's naturally, I think Austin Kendall is naturally a smart quarterback. Um, when you watch him go through progressions and whatnot, he, he completes 65% of his passes, but then he will have a pull your hair out moment. And he had a couple of those on Saturday against Texas where he threw four interceptions. I think Iowa State's defense is better than Texas across the board. And I look at this game plan for Iowa State at West Virginia to be very similar to the junk that John Haycock was constantly throwing at TCU a week ago. Yeah, I think so. Um yeah, Kendall can certainly put up a lot of yards. He's got that. I mean, he's he's the gunslinger personified, like so many Big Twelve quarterbacks we've seen. A lot of air raid elements in uh, West Virginia's offense. Uh, I think it bodes well. You know, they 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 got to be opportunistic again defensively against TCU with yeah. a couple of takeaways. Um, those tend to snowball once you get the ball rolling a little bit. They start to come. At least it, it, you might it might not be two, three, or four. But you get the one key one. Um, so I, I like that aspect of it from the defense. And I totally agree. I think you know, Iowa State's defense is coming into its own. I think even Coach Haycock said during availability last night, it was concerning when TCU rolled off, reeled off you know, a couple scores in a row once Iowa State had that big lead last week. Um, and that can't happen, he said. You know, just uh, you know, very mistakes that shouldn't have happened. Uh, but still, you hold it team with an offense of that caliber to 24 points, especially since you had the big lead already. I think that carries over well against a West Virginia team that's, that's try, you know, a new era for them, uh, you know, kind of trying to find itself, it seems like. Yeah, and then just a real quick look at Iowa State offensively heading into this football game. I don't know. I mean, I think that it's very sustainable what Iowa State is doing, and only in the sense that they've really been doing it, Rob, the whole year. Mm-hmm. Take away, not even take away Northern Iowa. I felt that this was going to end up being, you know, the whole getting to the 35-yard line, 40-yard line, whatever, and having things stall out for one reason or another it seemed to me like this was going to be a statistical anomaly. And over the course of 12 games, there's going to be, you know, reverting to the mean. And they're going to score some more points than that, that they were if they continued to move the football. They're continuing to move the football. The reason I think it's so sustainable, one, you now have to game plan for a Brock Purdy run game that is not just improvisation. But two... Uh, last week's statistic, and I think it went wildly underrated, was Deshante Jones had like his eight catches or whatever. And if you haven't read Jay Jordan's piece earlier this week, breaking down that film, I would encourage anybody to do so. Jay did a really good job explaining why that was the case, why all of a sudden Deshante Jones has these games where he has like 10, 10 receptions. So check that out. 
but the vast amount of guys who are getting receptions right now from Brock Purdy, and what that tells me is what we thought, but it's it's this guy who's really smart, sophomore, voted a captain by his colleagues, right? Which is super rare for a true sophomore. Mm-hmm. And he takes what's there. This is not, um, you know, th- this is not Brock Purdy like last year with Hakeem Butler, who many times would just throw it up because that's what you could do and that's what you should do because not a lot else was there. He's taking what's available. He's going through his reads and I'm looking at the Big 12 schedule right now and I'm not seeing many defenses that put the fear of me to think that this isn't sustainable for Iowa State. In fact, I think it enhances. I think on Saturday against a West Virginia team that's not crazy about stopping the run. They have to replace their top six tacklers from last year, by the way. So it's a very raw group. Their strength, uh, and we'll get to this when Brad joins us, but their strength is a defense. They have two really good corners, but the middle of the field is there. And I I think that, you know, West Virginia is going to spend so much time looking at Brock Purdy and whatnot. Like this, to me, Iowa State has a 100-yard rusher on Saturday that's not a quarterback. That's a projection I'll make right now. I, I just think so many of these times you're, you're seeing coaches put things in. Um, the 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 Real Mitchell scream last week was a perfect example. They put that in there so that the opposing defense has to pay attention to that. They could do it on Saturday and he could pass. You know, there's so many different wrinkles to that. And I think that this Brock Purdy running game that we've seen develop, Rob, opens things up for everyone else, specifically the running backs. Boom, I'm calling it right now. Johnny Lang rushes for 120 yards on Saturday. Okay. I, I, I don't disagree. And I guess I'll make a couple of points circling back to one of your first ones last. But what you said about the middle of the field, I think uh, West Virginia has a couple of pretty good interior D linemen. Yes, they do. Um, so if the offensive line continues to improve and, uh, you know, is, is uh, you know, performing well up front, you know, and, and making sure there's not a lot of pressure. I like Brock Purdy to really take advantage of tight ends no in doubt. the middle of the field. Yeah. And then when you add that, a great point. that Gary Patterson said. Tariq Milton loves that middle of the field, too. Oh, He's yeah. always finding those soft spots. Yeah, and then boom, off to the races. Yeah. Uh, coupled out what Gary Patterson said after uh, the blowout over TCU that they had shown QB run looks with tight end sets that they hadn't seen on film before. You had that element where there's even more mystery there. It's no mystery that they go to the tight ends a lot. I mean, we got Chase Allen, we got Charlie Kolar uh, in the end zone. Um, but, boy, I just think that, that that's something that's uh, fully there to be exploited. And then what you said about sustainability, I totally agree with. I think the one thing is very hard to move the balls consistently as they've moved it, yeah. you know, to have hardly any three and outs. And, yes, they bogged down an ungodly amount of times – in that 35, 40 yard range. Even last week, though, they did it three times. Yeah. Well, it, it seemed so like frequently. deja vu in the second quarter last week. Yeah. But they score so frequently in part because of the sustainability of the offensive production. You're able to get a first down or two. Then you sprinkle in a big play. Then all of a sudden, as we've seen at least a couple times, defense starts to make some mistakes. And, uh, you know, that ends up in points a lot. And, and one thing we've seen for Iowa State, too, is their lights out in the red zone. So once you can get past that little no-man's-land strip between the 50 and the 20, um, you know, they're, they're, they're really able to, uh, to kind of explode on the scoreboard. One more point 
that I wanted to make before we get to really digging deep on West Virginia. I actually think that the, I think Zach Peterson and the aggressive nature in which he attacks that defensive end spot, I think that that will open up things for Inyi Wazirike even more. I thought Inyi, when I watched it back, that may have been the best game he's played at Iowa State. And I don't know, I don't know enough about, you know, line play, and I, I don't want to pretend to, but I, I wonder if that different style that Peterson kind of attacks things with compared to what Jaquan Bailey normally did, I wonder if that is making, if that will make Indy's life easier on the other side. I just think he was fantastic. If you get a chance yep. to go back yep. and watch a TCU game, Owazarike was, Peterson's gotten all the pub this week, mm-hmm. and rightfully so, very deserving. He stepped in in a tough spot to, Literally re- replaced the sack leader in the history of Iowa State football. Owazarike is the guy I have circled going into West Virginia. I think that he is peaking right now, and I think that he absolutely wreaks havoc on Saturday in Morgantown. Well, it would certainly be good to see. Now, I think the wild card is Zach Peterson being somewhat new. We know how defense is schemed against Jaquan, which was a lot of times putting an extra guy there to kind of slow him down. What changes now that Zach's shown what he's capable of? Um, I'm not sure. But either way, whatever whether Zach's able to create the type of havoc he's, he's shown early in his career or whether they scheme a little bit to, yeah. to chip away at that a little bit, both of those are positives for any on the other side. And, uh, you know, the way the linebacker play has been with Orion Vance just being so disruptive. Mike Rowe is doing a nice job in the switch to Sam. And uh, a lot of, you know, Marcel Spears being the steady Eddie guy. I mean, you know, the, the other asterisk thing or concern is Greg Eisworth. What's his health? Yeah. Uh, it, it sounds like he's pretty much okay. But also, Coach Campbell said on Tuesday when asked about other unsung heroes, quote-unquote, that Lawrence White has kind of emerged. And Naked Eye will tell you that, too. Lawrence White is making more plays out there. Um, with all the talent you have throughout that secondary, I think they can weather even a game without Eisworth if, he's, if, if they want to spell him a little bit. Uh, I don't think you want that at all because he's such a playmaker. But... Um, I don't know. I, I agree that any can do a lot, but I think there's really going to be some opportunities for guys in the secondary no to, to make some big plays. And the, I think that they'll have opportunities at turnovers with what Austin Kendall has shown us so far as an offensive um, you know, leader for that West Virginia team. Um, okay, real quick, I, I just want to, as a whole, give some analysis on West Virginia before we call Brad. It reminds me a lot, Rob, of Campbell's first year at Iowa State. The cupboard is not empty mm-hmm. in Morgantown. Uh, it's not like Dana Holgerson stopped recruiting. And I, I would make a – when I look back at the Paul Rhodes era in recruiting, I think it started off well. I think that he unfortunately got caught in the middle of the conference, the Big 12 missile crisis. I think that really hurt Iowa State across the board as an athletic department mm-hmm. when it comes to recruiting. I know for a fact it did. I think that I could point that out on the Hoiberg era too, where there's a little bit of a hole there and there were, and I think that that impacted it. And I think towards the end, Paul was starting to recruit better as we saw some guys who really helped Matt Campbell as he started. But the problem was Campbell comes in year one and so much is different. 
as far as these coaching changes, this is how it goes for put yourself in a 20 year old young man's shoes. Like your, your world is changing. And it often takes these coaches four or five games to usually get your ass kicked is yeah. what that's generally what snaps for mm-hmm. Campbell. It was the Iowa game. Yep. They got embarrassed in Iowa city. And that was what he almost needed to gain the attention of these guys. And I think that Neil Brown right now is in a very similar spot in West Virginia, except I don't know if they really had to lose. I mean, you you look at what they've done. James Madison's a really good FCS team. They beat NC state. They turned the ball over four times against Texas and still was in the football game at the end. But I'm sensing that this team is probably top to bottom a little bit more talented than what their record would indicate. But it's been this culture change going on, and I really like Neil Brown. I think he's a great hire. He'll he'll do really well there. I don't know. I'm sensing, though, that this team, one of these weeks is going to beat somebody. For the record, I don't think it'll be against Iowa State. But I think they're right into that transition period right now where they're going from one era to another. And generally, it's got to happen on the football field. You just don't see guys get fired and boom, we're going from four and eight to eight and four like that. Sometimes it does. There are outliers. I understand that. I don't think this is going to be one of them, but I don't know. That's the sense I get. I think it's very comparable to Campbell's first year at Iowa State. We're at the end. You know, we were going to games thinking Iowa State could win most of those games. Now, they didn't. They went three and nine, but they were competitive. That's what I expect from West Virginia on Saturday. Yeah, and they won a couple of those games late, too, finally. Um, Yeah, I think the one difference being West Virginia coming off actually a pretty good season. Um, what they won eight games last season. Yeah, coach and, wasn't fired. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, the writing was on the wall that they yes. were tired of eight win seasons. Um, and I don't think it was ever great culture under Dana Holgerson, well, from what I understand. You know, unprofessional fans' yeah. comments notwithstanding. Um, so very similar in the sense that you've got to separate the wheat from the chaff, to use an old man's expression. Uh, to you know, Campbell was trying to figure out who, which of these holdovers are truly going to play for us. I mean, the guys who were freshmen, your good Joneses, your Meekers, those guys are hungry. Yeah, they were recruited by Rhodes and his staff, but they understood that the change was made and all that, and, and they performed extremely well. There's Marcel Spears in that class, that Rhodes' last class as well. Um, but I, went, I was looking over that roster because I was doing a feature on Bob Ingram Millen, or that class, I should yeah. say. And there were a couple guys I didn't even remember their names. I mean, there were some guys that they hit on, like DeMond Tucker. Yeah. had a pretty nice little couple years uh, in that he Juco class. He was awesome class. as a junior. But a couple of guys, unfortunately, that didn't pan out, like your J.P. Filberts and uh, some others there. Um, but, uh, you know, so they were, to, go, to coincide with your line about them actually recruiting pretty well, those guys, a lot of those guys were on paper, especially really nice yeah. Juco compliments to that class, and a pretty solid class. And it really did kind of help them set a foundation. And then you sprint. Oh, Hakeem Butler was in that class. Yeah, Butler the, was. That yeah. little old two-star yeah. afterthought wide receiver. Yeah, maybe we can move him to tight end. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, 
you know, once you sprinkle in the David Montgomery's, the Deshante Joneses, all the people that Campbell identified in their upper Midwest strategy, their, you know, six hour radius remains, six to eight hour radius, you know, you can turn it around pretty quickly, but it does take time. And there are guys who are probably felt entitled to certain things that they weren't entitled to certain things. You know, everyone was going to earn something uh, with the new staff. And uh, I think you're going to go through that with any staff. And I'm sure that's what they're going through at West Virginia as well. I'm not crazy about their roster, but their that team fought against Texas on Saturday. That game with four turnovers like that really should have been a blowout, and it was not. Yeah. So that does tell me something about the opponent that Iowa State will get on Saturday. Let's learn more about that opponent, and when we come back, uh, we're going to call, I almost said Rob Howe. He covers the Hawks. This is Brad Howe, my buddy from Morgantown, uh, he's been around West Virginia Athletics for decades, and he will join us next here on the Thursday Thesis. We're presented by Ames Eye, Des Moines Eye. Uh, you can watch us on Facebook Live every week here at noon as well on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, guys, welcome back to the Thursday Thesis Podcast here on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. Of course, you can watch us on Facebook Live as well. We try and get um, on a, somebody who knows the opposition really well to come on this every week. And West Virginia is always perfect because my buddy Brad Howe is down there. Uh, I don't know, down there, over there in Morgantown. He hosts a sports talk show that's statewide in the state of West Virginia on a nightly basis. He's been there for a really long time. He has connections to Iowa. And um, I don't trust anybody with um, West Virginia stuff as much as this guy. So, hey, Brad, how are you, my friend? You doing okay? Chris, thanks for the introduction. It's great to talk to you guys. And, and you're right, as a proud Valley High School graduate, a Wartburg College graduate. Uh, yeah, my ties to Iowa run deep. My mother's still back there. She listens to you guys in the afternoon. So, yeah, so it's a pleasure to talk to you again. Uh, it's good to have you, buddy. And I, I, I just got done, and, and clearly you didn't hear it because we just called you. But I, I want to give you a really quick just view of what I think West Virginia football is right now from an outside perspective. It reminds me a lot of Campbell's first year at Iowa State where you just knew um, that there was going to be a change. Any, anytime you have a head coaching change, there's culture differences. It, it just takes a while. You can talk about spring ball. We can talk about fall camp, but it really doesn't start to manifest until you go on the field. And I, I feel like West Virginia, you know, they started off and, they, and, and you had to, and good for, good for West Virginia, they won a lot of the tough games early on where the transition's kind of taking place. But I, you know what, Brad? I, I watched West Virginia last week, four turnovers by the quarterback, a good Texas team that a lot of people think can win the Big 12. Top 10 nationally, in my opinion. And the Mountaineers didn't quit. I'm not crazy about, like, their, their team this year. I don't, I don't know enough about it to, 
be an expert, but that's the one thing that stuck out to me, man, and that's why I think Iowa State's going to be in for a tough game on Saturday is the Mountaineers did not quit. Neil Brown has to be really happy with that. How, how is that for uh, a, an analysis of, of that football team from the state of Iowa? Yeah, and as usual, you're, you're right on top of it. And it's funny, we recorded a podcast earlier this morning and drew some similarities between Matt Campbell and Neil Brown. I think, I think starting with Brown, West Virginia's got, got its Matt Campbell now. It's got a guy that, that's really sharp, that's buttoned up, that's organized, that has the thing from top to bottom. So I couldn't be more impressed with the job Neil Brown and his coaching staff has done since minute one. Since Neil Brown stepped to the podium and accepted this job and talked to fans, he's literally hit every note exactly right on the money. You also nailed it with the team. Listen, you guys saw what West Virginia had last year from a skill perspective, although Iowa State absolutely just decimated West Virginia and shut them down last year. But West Virginia lost a lot of skill guys to the NFL and the graduation. So this is, this is not a reload situation for WVU. This is a total rebuild. And you hit the nail right on the head. Last week, to be honest, was a little surprising to me how well West Virginia hung in there with mm-hmm. Texas for so long. Ultimately, it was. It was the four interceptions and two missed field goals that did WVU in. But they hung around, and I think that's the brilliance of, of Neil Brown and staff. They've done something every week to allow West Virginia to stay in these games, with the exception of Missouri. West Virginia just got its doors blown off at Missouri by a bigger, more talented team, and the offensive line just couldn't handle them. But outside of that, you've seen a new little wrinkle from this staff each week that's allowed them to to basically use, Chris, some smoke and mirrors to keep West Virginia in these games. Because what you're going to see on Saturday when these two teams hook up, West Virginia is just missing elite-level playmakers at this point. So they've got to try and piece it together, find yards where they can, hit plays here and there, because there just isn't a ton of experienced playmakers on this group yet. So, yeah, so basically that's a long-winded answer to mm-hmm. you're right around your assessment. Yeah, I like um, I like Brown. There were some things I saw. Uh, I, I saw that he took his team to like the – I want to say like the like some hang out with some coal miners one day. It reminded yep. me of Campbell when yep. the tornadoes came through and the team – I don't know. He just seems – and I was, I was blown away with him from um, – from the second I saw him at Big 12 Media Days. I, I don't know. It just seems like a it seems like a really good fit. Well, let's get into the schematics here and talk to me about your quarterback, Austin Kendall, 65% completion percentage. So, you know, you can chalk that up to some of that's air raid. Your your his his completion numbers, I mean, I think they're going like six and a half yards downfield is the average completion length. But he, he does the seven interceptions as well. But, I, I you know... He, I, I still think he's a he's a nice little quarterback that could he he's really West Virginia's only option to go out and win games like that they have on Saturday, but I also know after that four I know how fans are it can be a bit fickle after a tough performance like he had on Saturday. Where are you at on Austin Kendall, West Virginia's quarterback? Yeah, so I, I think the the assessment there again is a pretty good one. It, the challenge with Austin just as you know, and to, and to go back, give you a little history of him. He's the backup quarterback at Oklahoma for a few years before transferring in as a grad transfer. Shortly after Neil Brown arrived, that was one of the first things Neil Brown did was go out and secure Austin Kendall, transferring from a guy that sat behind Baker Mayfield, sat behind Kyler Murray, Man. and then oh by the way, here comes Jalen Hurts. So you talk about a kid with just incredibly bad luck to sit behind two Heisman winners and then see Jalen Hurts come in. So, yeah, so you're looking at a guy 
who is a, is a, let me say it this way, a serviceable quarterback, and you saw him last week put up some good statistical numbers outside of the four picks against Texas. But basically, you're dealing with a really inexperienced guy here. Yes, he's been around Oklahoma. Yes, he's been around those high-powered offenses. But he just hasn't taken a lot of snaps. So what I'm seeing in Austin Kendall is a guy that each week is getting a little more comfortable in the position, as you would expect for a guy that just needs to get some snaps under his belt. He's starting to see things better. He can scramble a little more fluently than he did early on. But the short passes are what they're doing with him right now to keep him comfortable. So that's the thing I think you'll see. With Greer last year, West Virginia was constantly trying to push the ball down the field and look for big explosive plays, and all the stats last year backed that up. This is a totally different West Virginia offense in that they're having to to chew up yards in shorter chunks. They haven't found a deep game yet. The running game has really struggled. I know you'll get to some of those questions, too. We'll get into the offensive line. But Kendall in particular, getting better, getting more comfortable, but certainly not a guy that's ready to just put the team on his back and say, clear the way, I've got this, Mm -hmm. I'm winning the game today. Hi, Brad. Rob Rob Gray here. Um, I'm curious about what you think of Iowa State's defensive line, which has been identified as, you know, borderline elite, certainly one of the Big 12, statistically speaking. And it helps having having the second level and third level be as good as it has been the last couple of years. But given what you're trying to find on the offensive line at uh, West Virginia and the, the talent that Iowa State's shown, especially with that anchor in the interior, Ray Lima, how concerned are you that they're going to be able to create some havoc and even with short passing game, uh, get Kendall uncomfortable? Yeah, Rob, on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the most concerned, I'm probably about a 50 in <laughs> Virginia when it comes to that. Yeah. And, and guys, honestly, some of that's probably the, the PTSD that has come in from last year's yeah. performance. I'm still absolutely stunned at how good Iowa State was last year defensively and just how poorly West Virginia and its staff reacted to that defense. I mean, I get that Iowa State was really good defensively, and they did some some wonderful things scheme-wise, but to have all of those weapons and not be able to muster anything, that's a scary proposition now moving into this particular unit that, as I just said, is nowhere nearly as high-powered offensively and is, and is, quite frankly, offensive line below average. This offensive line has been a work in progress coming into the season, and then it got completely scrapped and redone as, as West Virginia got into week three. So that, to me, is, is the first, second, and third matchup to watch in this game. Watch the defensive line for Iowa State that you just said and you guys know so well is, is borderline elite, if not elite, going against a really inexperienced offensive line at West Virginia. That I mentioned that Missouri game earlier where West Virginia just got manhandled up front, and West Virginia couldn't do a thing. I haven't seen WV play a game that poorly in a number of years when it just got outmanned and outgunned on the on the line of scrimmage, and that's my biggest concern for WV coming into this. You're talking about a, a center that's played in three games. You're talking about one of the starting guards that's played in four games and was a defensive tackle last year. Another one of the starting guards, was a center to start the season, then they moved him back to guard, then they moved him to second-string guard, and now he's back at the starting guard. So West Virginia's Mm. offensive line has had a ton of problems, and that to me is if West Virginia is going to get beat and even get beat badly, it's going to happen because of the up-front guys. Brad, on on the other end, Iowa State's offense really has been good all year, but it's stalled. It hasn't been able to create the amount of points needed. I mean, that's where the two losses come from. But if you look at it as a whole... You know, they're top five in yards per play. 
they're just doing all these things well. It really all kind of uh, blew up in a positive way last week against TCU. I think the feeling up there is they, there's some sustainability here and that Iowa State could have one of the better offenses in college football behind Brock Purdy. But I'm looking at West Virginia's defense. I know how much there is to replace from last year's team. The one thing that stands out to me, though, you got two really good cornerbacks in Morgantown. Um, and that that's a good um, building block. It, it, I, I don't know. It seems to me like everything they're doing kind of goes through those two corners. Is that accurate? Yeah, the defense has been interesting this year because the, the past few years under former defensive coordinator Tony Gibson, West Virginia was a, an odd front, a 3-3-5 defense that, that really relied on a defensive line to just chew up blocks and turn some of those linebackers loose to make plays and then hope you could stay with people on the back end. This year under Vic Koning, it switched philosophies and it's asking the defensive linemen to be more playmakers. So if you start to look down some numbers, West Virginia defensively has done a nice job getting sacks and getting tackles for losses. And those are coming from the guys up front. Most notably, you'll see the Stills brothers, yeah. Darius and Dante, both really homegrown guys. They, they, yeah, just down the road, 15 minutes from Morgantown. Their dad was a standout here at WVU and played in the, the NFL for a number of years. So both of those kids, one a junior, one a sophomore, Dante and Darius, you'll see their names a lot. They'll make some plays. They're very, very good. And then, yeah, skip over the linebacker area and mm. move to the back end, and you're referring to Keith Washington and Hakeem Bailey. So those are two guys that came into this season, and I actually had Bailey in my top five biggest question marks for West Virginia. And what I meant by that was if Hakeem Bailey was very good at the corner position, then West Virginia had a chance. Washington was good last year. I felt he would be very good again this year and has been. Bailey was the question mark, a guy with very good skills, good speed, good cover skills, but would lose confidence very easily. The former staff used to talk about if he had the confidence that you need in that corner position, you're looking at an all-conference type performer. Well, up to this point, he's been excellent. So you're right. Both corners have been very good, and that's allowed West Virginia's defense to hang in there as those up-front guys get some pressure. Last week was the biggest test because admittedly coming into that game, they really hadn't had to face a talented, really good quarterback outside of Kelly Bryant at Missouri. And again, that game was such a blowout. Bryant didn't have to do anything. But West Virginia did it actually a pretty good job on Sam Ellinger. If you, you look at his numbers from last week, he had one of the worst games he's had mm-hmm. in the last 10 or 15 games. But ultimately, he made a few plays with his feet when it counted, and that put the game out of reach. So I think that's the concern moving forward this week is if you look at if Purdy as a similar type of quarterback, it hurts you with the arm and the feet. Even if West Virginia hangs in there and plays pretty well, Purdy's ability to make plays happen with his legs is what's concerning this defensive unit. Yeah, and then last but not least, I know you're not a meteorologist, but we're we're all a little bit scarred <laughs> by really terrible weather for it seems like every Iowa State football game this year. And sure enough, I pull up the Morgantown forecast for Saturday and 70% chance of rain. Um, do you th- – do you, do you think that impacts anything at all? And again, like we are just so scarred here because the weather has been terrible for every Iowa State game, it seems like, all season long. But um, does rain help, hurt? I, I don't know. Does that impact the game at all if, if, that, if indeed that's a problem on Saturday? 
Well, we've been blaming you all all week for the weather because obviously I, I still keep up with you guys pretty closely, and I've seen what Iowa State has had to go through, and oh, the, the fans brutal. have had to go through, and, and see me. You're right, seemingly every one of your games has been unbelievable. Yeah. And here, not to not to rub salt in your wounds, but last week here was was Chamber of Commerce postcard type of day. Yeah. Seventy degrees, not a cloud in the sky, all sun. We've had that same thing all week. The one day there's rain over like a ten day period is Saturday. Now, if it makes you feel any better, the percent of chance of rain keeps going down each okay. day. So you were at 100. Now we're working our way back. I even saw 60 last night. So okay. by the time you get here, maybe it'll clear its way out of there. But I, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know if that, how that, if that helps or hurts. Maybe it helps West Virginia if that slows the offense of Iowa State down a little bit. Because I, I have a feeling if, if West Virginia has any chance of pulling the upset here, I don't think it's going to be, you know, forty-two thirty-eight. I think this has to be lower scoring. I'm not sure West Virginia is equipped to get into a shootout with teams like Iowa State. Yeah, and Iowa State's definitely going to push tempo. That's going to be a big thing when that offense is humming this year, and and it's been humming most of the year. They've been a really fast tempo team, and I know that's something that they're definitely pushing. So, Brad, thanks, man. I know you got a really busy day, and. Really appreciate all you, um, all your support over the years, and it's been great getting to know you. And um, best of luck um, on Saturday, and we'll we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Awesome. Thanks to you guys as well, and I always enjoy being with you. So anytime I can uh, help, just let me know, and we'll talk again soon. All right, buddy. Thank Thanks, you very man. much, Brad Howe. Uh, he's our guy on the ground down in West Virginia. Really good dude. He's been around for a long time, and just a good guy, Rob. Iowa connection though you got to love the Iowa connection Valley Grand Warburg you throw White Warburg in there I mean yeah deep Iowa ties does that change your opinion on this game at all hearing anything Brad had to say um not really I mean I think I I mean that off I mean actually if anything it makes me feel better about this game yeah me too because I. I was not as well-versed in the offensive line struggles, not diving into every game. I mean, you can see the scoreboard, what happened at Missouri. Yeah. They lost by 30 or whatever. But um, to hear, interestingly, that's kind of like how Iowa State patchworked its way now to what they hope. There's a lot of similarities You know, the other the converted two. defensive yeah. tackle at, at one of the guard spots and, and all of that. But, I mean, given how Iowa State's been performing up front, given the depth they have there, I think they can create some they can create some real issues for Austin Kendall there and and again when you don't have a playmaker you can just throw it up to that trust factor's got to be big and when you and when you're a guy coming in that's always wanted your chance your your natural uh, tendency is to kind of press a little bit you want to be the guy so badly but you got to trust these guys maybe a couple of these young guys are guys that can do a lot of yards after catch types of things in this air raid type system with the short passes and then but they haven't shown it yet. So, I mean, it, it, I think their current weaknesses or it, it coincide well with Iowa State's strength to, to, to make Saturday. Now, we've seen that before, and things can go the other way and, and vice yeah. versa. But uh, if anything, it makes me feel a little bit more confident that Iowa State can go and get, their, uh, go get its first road win of the season. Have you uh, made your pick yet? I have sent it in, yeah. I can't remember the Go exact ahead. score. I, where, I, where are you at? I, 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 I'm kind of with Vegas. I see it as like a 10 to 14 point game. I think if Iowa State, you know, again, they might bog down a few times in that 35 to 50 range, but uh, they're just so good at executing and getting it down the field, drive after drive, that they're going to put up some points. And I just think 
West Virginia is going to going to struggle against this offense to, as Brad said, to, to even keep up. I got 35-20. Okay. So again, pro- I mean, probably somewhat of a similar 20. game to 35-17, you know, ish. to last week for West Virginia, maybe, um, you know, that they've got fight, which you, you, you want to see, you need to see. But uh, I think the Cyclones have the talent to build that lead to double digits, hopefully fairly quickly. And then, uh, and then as adjustments are made, yeah, they'll keep coming back at you, but you're able to at least establish a decent little comfort zone. I would take Iowa State to cover the spread if I yeah, if I I'd be a little play. bit on the edge on that, but I, 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 I tend to agree. I was. Like, if you would have talked to me two days ago, I would have said, no, I'd take the points. But after watching that game last night, I just – I think Iowa State's heading in one direction clearly, and I think West Virginia may have a few more weeks before it hits that stride mm-hmm. that it needs to. We'll see. Nonetheless, one of the most difficult places to play in the country. Yeah, so that I, they had that going for them. And shout out to Bloom's column and, and mentioning kind of some of the similarities. Oh, you know, yeah. The same it was architect great. for the stadium and no how doubt. it was uh, Jack Dry Stadium was the blueprint for uh, what is it? Pusker Mellon, Milan Pusker Stadium. I can't remember. What yeah. It. Whatever the name is. Um, it, they call it Mountaineer Field. We'll just call it Mountaineer Field. But I mean, one of the great um, road trips. If you can get out to what Morgantown some year, I mean that sincerely. It's a really we should do it sometime. It's a really neat Jared area. And I, seniors, yeah, go for it. I love that area. It um, I it's I don't know who I was saying this to earlier. I've gone there with women's basketball a few times. Like you fly in now, there's not commercial flights to Morgantown. You have to fly to Pittsburgh and drive south. Mm-hmm. But like when you when you're on that charter flight in, it's like you land in between these like mountains, and then you look around and it's just like coal mills and stuff. Every like it is like you're landing in a different country, but it's so cool. I love I love Morgantown. It's one of my favorite places that I've ever traveled to and just walk around and talk to people. And they're nuts. Like they're that's it, man. Like West Virginia football is the show. Yeah. In that state. It's a lot like what we got going on here, except there's no Iowa and Iowa State. It is West Virginia football and they believe it's a a lot like Nebraska fans, I would say, on a lower level. I mean, there's not as many of them. Yep. They don't don't have that type of a history, but it's a it's a cool place. But they're knowledgeable, they're passionate. That's where, you know, when they tried to make this a riot bowl or whatever, um, it didn't make sense geographically, but not not that it did for anybody for with West Virginia. But you'd see all these similarities now. It seems like it would be a fun game to just uh, hang out with their fans. I think their fans have had good experiences when they've come up to Ames as well. So uh, yeah, definitely a trip we're taking. And again, as Coach Campbell has said, and as you've mentioned, tough place to play, tough place to win. Um, remember, uh, head up to the game watch at Whiskey River with our friends from Wide Right and Natty Light on Saturday. Apple pie shots forever. So if if I have Iowa State scoring thirty five, can do the math. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of apple pie shots. Let's just say there's two hundred people at Whiskey River. How many? That's a thousand apple pie shots per Jared Stansbury. That's a uh, that's an interesting uh, deal. Indeed it is. Get on out there. All right. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate it. Uh, thanks to Ames Eye, Des Moines Eye Care for sponsoring the Thursday thesis here on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. To our friends watching on Facebook Live, so long.